Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, welcome to Thursday morning. That means it's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast where we believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. Those around me is my captain, my co-host, the man coming to Bali very soon, and the man who recently ate it hard on his fancy new motorcycle racing mobile. What happened, man? I thought you were good at this stuff. Boo. I was trying to get better. I went to... uh... (laughs) Yeah, I went to Jason Pridmore's school. Jason is a very accomplished motorcycle racer and a very cool guy. And uh, I went out to his school and uh, took it a little fast. Took it a little fast around turn seven at uh, Chuck Walla. Are you gonna let Got us? Got on the gas a little early. <laughs> Are you gonna let us put the video up? It looks it looks nasty, man. <laughs> Thanks for your support. I'm sorry. This is fantastic stuff. If you guys stick around to the end of the episode, we'll share with you a way to easily manage all of your websites from one spot. It's true. And we'll share with you the stickiest apps of the year so far for Ian and myself. First, the shouts. Thanks to Todd G for sending in a photo of his desktop computer being taken over by the LBP uh, logo. Appreciate that, Todd. We got a question today from Jason. Um, Jason has been a serial entrepreneur for the last five to seven years, but totally blew it. My last couple of ventures have crashed and burned, and he's a software developer, that's huge, with 20 years of experience in the MMO game development industry. So that's massive multiplayer online. Basically, Jason wants to get back out, location independent. He wants some advice on how to get out of a debt hole and back onto the entrepreneurial saddle. Yes. So Go Jason. You, one of the classic things that, you know, Jason has an awesome skill set. And what he asked about is, do you guys like think I should do consulting to kind of fund this and get off the wagon and then maybe get back into things? When I hear somebody say that they've sort of been an, an entrepreneur for five to seven years and they've crashed and burned, I think Jason's probably been a part of some funded startups or some sort of big enterprises where he had some partners and stuff like that. And so I do like the more sort of lean, agile approach to being a consultant. But the one thing I would say, Jason, is why not instead of using consulting to like make you enough money to live and then try to do stuff on the side, why not make that your sole focus and say, look, I know all about this MMO stuff. I'm going to start a small boutique firm that solves particular kinds of issues for that industry. Whatever it is you think you can improve on, man, like whether that's compliance issues, maybe security issues, maybe some kind of anything like that, build a little application. Maybe once you get some cash flow and you can put somebody in charge of that consulting firm. And I would say that's when then you start to pivot off and do something. So build a company around that value rather than just you know, trying to spend 40 hours a week consulting and then on Saturday morning, you're like, all right, I'm going to build my software product. I just think that that approach where you're splitting your best energy doesn't work that well. I prefer more of the straight focused approach. Ian, your opinion. Yes, I agree pretty much 100% with what you said. Jason also brings up um, that he's looking for some brilliant guys to kick ass with. I think this is a common problem. I think that you should at least, if you don't have a co-founder, 
you should at least have some accountability pro, uh, partners that you share ideas with that keep each other on track. Jason, it might make sense for you to have accountability partner in your business and then another accountability partner to keep you out of debt and to put you on a plan to get out of debt if that's one of your main goals that's going to get you rolling back in the right direction. Boom. Pablo asks us about inaction. He says, I've never made any money on the internet. Uh, he's, you know, comes from a working class background and he sort of does this self-sabotage thing. He's saying, how can I get out of this rut of inaction and to believe in myself and to move forward with the stuff that I know I need to do in order to get a business off the ground? Well, my thing here, Pablo, is, you know, this whole... Paulo, I think. Paulo, sorry, sorry. Paulo is this whole idea that, you know, you need to believe in something. It, I think it overcomplicates the issue. Like, let's talk about being a truck driver. Like, if you met a truck driver and you said, hey, you know, Mr. Truck Driver, how, you know, did you do that? He's like, well, I went to school, I applied for this job, and here's the requirements. All of a sudden, it's not something that you need to believe in. It's not some mystical thing. You have to have all this, you know what I'm right. saying? So I think, I think the biggest thing here is, is you got to meet people in person that actually do this stuff. And that doesn't mean going to some guru fest where you, like, pay a thousand bucks and sit in some stadium or all that crap. I'm talking about actually meeting people that have online businesses and all of a sudden, I mean, Paula, this happens all the time to Ian and myself. People like, you know, they come to our house and like they're all deferential and stuff and the emails like, oh, I'm I'm so happy that you met me and like all this stuff. And they meet us and they're like, oh, whoa, they're normal dudes, maybe not as smart as me. Exactly. (laughs) And it's like, oh, (laughs) I can do this. Find, uh, Paula, wherever you are, find 20 businesses or, you know, uh, identify 20 people that are doing what you want to do. Reach out to them through email. Offer them something. Maybe they'll meet up with you, talk to you for a few minutes, and then all of a sudden you've met somebody that's done it and you're on your way. None of us have made money online before we didn't make money online. Does that make sense? That makes sense. (laughs) That reminds me of the story when Sean Ogle wrote Chris Gillibo. Um, an email about getting a coffee with them. And then Chris and Sean continue to talk to this day. And it was Sean taking that initiative to reach out to somebody in his neighborhood that he could then model and say, hey, Chris is a precedent case. It's not a big mystery anymore. I see what he's doing and I can use some of those lessons in my own life. Good luck, Paulo. We got another question from John. This is a good one. He listened to our Shady Business Practices episode. Ian, I think we got two of those now. We could probably have 10. <laughs> we could probably have a- yeah. <laughs> I've gained access to the database of a major online retailer in my niche. I love it. So Definitely. this is the whole thing. If people haven't done this trick yet, I have this this tool that David Crandall made for us. I have it on my browser toolbar. It's called Sniff. And when I click it, I see all the files that anybody has stored on their public web server. And you will be blown away by what people put up there. And it looks like John was blown away. Can you imagine pulling down 5K actual paying customers, 5,000 paying customers? That's amazing. So he's asking us, what would you do in my situation? Uh, Basically, 
um, MailChimp and AWeber integrate nicely with Shopify, but they don't just allow you to upload those email addresses into your system, right? <laughs> There's a reason for that. <laughs> There's a reason for that. That's illegal. But what um, Ian and I have found, at least in our experience, is that Constant Contact does let you do that. They give you all kinds of warnings and stuff, but you can put your information in there anyway. But I would actually, ta- right. I would actually take a different approach, John. I would email these people individually from your email account. And with the first 50 or so contacts, um, I mean, obviously it's much different if it's B2B or B2C, but uh, let's just assume worst case scenario it's B2C. Uh, I would, you know, make a canned Gmail message and just absolutely feather touch this stuff. I would try to, try to talk to every customer. I would try to do like little split tests and see different approaches are working, um, you know, one by one until I got an approach that I was really happy with in the first 50. And then I would uh, see if I could employ a constant contact campaign. How would you approach yeah, it again? It, it really depends if it's B2B or B2C. Um, if, it's, if it's B2C, then it's a little bit more difficult. But one thing I would do is I would not run all those emails through constant contact. If you run them all through constant contact on a one mass email, uh, you get a lot of flags and then all of a sudden you're banned from constant contact. So what I would do is I would I would... I would section off that list and I would do some experiments. Um, first thing I would do is I would I would go through that list and I would Google some of the addresses and I would try and figure out as much as I can about this um, this demographic, um, whether it be like where they're from, what they do. I, I'm not really sure. I don't know a lot about the niche that you're in. So I would do a little bit of research and then I would I would start doing tests out of my Gmail account. You know, maybe 10, 20, 30 at a time. But I definitely wouldn't blow the list out all at once until I've really got a handle on who exactly is on this list. Word. That's good stuff, man. Well, way to do that uh, shady stuff, John. I mean, it, that's really cool story. And I just, it, it's totally believable to me that e-commerce stores are putting their customer lists on their public phone. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. <laughs> all right, we've got a couple phone calls this week. Let's listen in to Justin Archer. Hey, Dan, this is uh, Justin Archer, a longtime follower of the podcast. I was actually listening the other day when you had mentioned uh, Justin from Cube Sapien and then about uh, Justin Hayes uh, from, from the D.C. So uh, it was kind of weird that uh, I'm the third Justin calling in. It just so happens that I actually work as a as an exercise therapist or otherwise known as a postural therapist here in uh, San Diego. If, in fact, uh, those weren't examples and you really are having back knee pain, uh, just feel free to uh, give me a call sometime. Um, and I'd be more than happy to uh, help you out. Dude, that is so cool. Thank you, Justin, for being uh, super nice. I actually don't have chronic pain issues, but when I do, I'm going to call you, buddy. We got another call from Dan O'Donnell. Hey, guys, it's Dan O'Donnell from PositiveAtmosphere.com here. Um, hey, I just found your podcast in the last two or three weeks, and I'm loving it. I'm going back and listening to all of them, trying to catch up, and uh, it's great. It's keeping me inspired and I'm sharing it with some friends. One of your other callers one time said that you had a great content to ES ratio or something to that effect. And I agree. I like that you guys stick to the point and uh, put a lot of information and not a whole lot of fluff in your program. Dan, appreciate the shout. We've got a phone number. You can find that at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. And if you guys go there and put your names on our mailing list, Ian and I instantly send you the first 50 episodes of this show, which according to Dan have a finely tuned BS to content ratio. Speaking of BS to content, we gotta get to the meat and potatoes, but first I wanna share with you the iTunes review that we got this week. That's five stars, 115 iTunes reviews. Wow. It's it's amazing. We've got from Pyite20V, an incredible username. 
I love Pi 820V. Look, if hey, by the way, before we get into this, what are we going to do for our 100th episode? That's coming up here pretty soon. We're going to wear tuxedos. We're going to wear tuxedos. Like a boss. <laughs> I've been managing three of my businesses on my own like a boss, and I cannot believe how much knowledge these guys drop in every episode. Everything they say is either something that took me months to realize or something that I'm struggling to figure out currently. So, Scott, oh, yes, we got Scott. Um, thank you so much for the kind word, Scott. Uh, you know, Ian and I are struggling with these same issues, and that's why we love to come to the podcast every week and talk through our issues and hopefully help you guys as well. So speaking of content and not BS, let's talk about the meat and potatoes today. And I want to talk about, Ian, where business ideas really come from. This is how we do it, and we got a little method. We call it rip, pivot, and jam. Some of you might remember the pivot episode, and that's uh, a really good episode that's more in depth in terms of product creation, but this is more overall business generation philosophy. Um, You know, people, the reason I was thinking about this is we were sitting on the patio last night with uh, an entrepreneur, Justin Hayes, and one of his friends, and they had a new business idea. And what we started to get into is the philosophy of how business ideas actually happen and what the best strategic approach to them is. And the approach that me and you always take, Ian, is this thing called rip, pivot, and jam. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk you through the three conceptual points, uh, and then we're going to pull out two or three examples of actual businesses that use this technique and how it works. Does that sound good? Does that sound like some meat and potatoes? All right. That's like a roast. All right. So (laughs) (laughs) first off, let's talk about rip. What most people do... um, So when they start a new business is they try to think of something novel. And this is an interesting thing This because that works really well for the embedded entrepreneur. If you've been in an industry for 10 to 15 years and something novel occurs to you, you're probably in some pretty good shape. But if you're an absolute newbie, if you don't have a business, maybe you have a job right now, and you're trying to generate a new idea, that's a really bad strategy. Uphill, uphill, major uphill battle. Right. So the RIP strategy is to identify somebody that's making money. Take, for example, one of your favorite things on the planet, guitars. Okay. Right? So you've got a guitar. How many different companies are there out there that make guitars? I don't know. Thousands. And how different are they? Really? Mm, I don't know. Not that different, maybe? Not that different. Right. So all those guys are ripping each other off, right? Like one company first came out with a guitar and then another company and then another company and they all just kept ripping each other off. Well, that's the idea is that you sort of leverage the intelligence that's come before you. To be completely novel is to forgo the DNA of an entire marketplace and industry. I mean, all these companies are building out what it means you know, to have a product in that space or what works. Because it exists, that means it works. So if you're in that space, and that's what I mean if you're like a 10 to 15 year entrepreneur, and then you take a small sidestep or a small pivot, you know, you're probably in a good spot. But if you're at square one and you're sort of looking at it from, from square one and you're trying to do something new or disruptive or whatever, I mean, that's a huge, the chances are you're wrong. Chances are you don't understand what's going on. So, and th- but this also is just another way to say, like, take the pressure off of you a little bit. So just look at who's making money that's sort of similar to you or has sort of similar sensibility or skill set. You know, say you're a yoga teacher. Look around at all the other yoga teachers. Who's killing it? 
Okay? Look at what they're doing and rip. Take their idea. Then take it to the next step. The next step is pivot. So you've ripped off their idea completely. Now you've got to pivot. You can't just do the same thing they're doing. How can you do it differently? There's a bunch of ways you can pivot. You can bring it to an entirely new market. You can take it to an entirely new vertical. You can take it to an entirely new language. You can, there's so many ways you can do this. I could give an example. Um, let's say I go to clickbank.com. Clickbank.com is a, is a marketplace for websites or a marketplace for affiliate products. Right. And, and they rank products based on, you know, if you're in a sex, uh, an affiliate salesman, you want to find products to sell. And ClickBank would be the place where you go. So you could go there and you could look at the charts and you could say, wow, there's this new make money online product that's just crushing it. I mean, the conversion rates are through the roof. And there must be something about the structure of that product, the structure of the offer that's just really compelling to people. I'm going to rip it off. So you go and you buy it. And all of a sudden you've got this make AdSense millionaire product or whatever. And you understand the structure of the sales process, the structure of the content, the structure of the program. And you say, I'm going to pivot this. I'm going to use everything in this program and I'm going to replace it with yoga material. I'm serious. Right. I'm going to make a bike room yoga, but I'm going to have my team or I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to model the exact process that these make money online guys have figured out is working. Yeah. And, and this is how this would work. So that's your rip stage. The pivot stage is to say, I'm going to take the make money online product and I'm going to take it to the bike room yoga field. And then the final step would be to jam. And sometimes I... Ian, we had a huge advantage with jamming. And what I would say by jamming is jamming is like super laser-focused work. You're absolutely focused on next steps, and all of your energy is pouring on getting that minimum viable product to the marketplace. And so many people now are like doing this whole niche site thing, or like they're doing affiliate marketing, and they're kind of doing like 15 things at once. And I'm just, I'm every time, like I never really... I've, maybe one or two exceptional cases where it's sort of interesting to do that. Nine times out of 10, I'm like, no, no, you have to jam. Like you have to put all of your energy into this one thing until you can get it to market. I think yeah. we had an awesome advantage here, Ian, because our first few products were hard goods products. And so it like, it almost forced us to be 100% focused because we knew exactly what we were doing. You know, we actually had a three-dimensional specification of every single item on our product. Mm -hmm. And, but you got these new guys that are doing like niche sites and like maybe an affiliate thing, or maybe they're doing a info product and it's kind of like nailing jello to the wall as to what they're actually doing. Right. And that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem, especially when it comes to this jamming issue, because everything can just creep and like, you can't really lock anything down. Yeah. I look at like a perfect example. I actually don't know the story on this. So I'm, I'm doing a little speculating here, Sure. but, uh, but Gary V is a, is a pretty good example of a, of a serious jammer. And I think if you watch him, he put out some, he put out a pretty cool YouTube video of him on some plane last week that I watched. And it was, it was, uh, it was really from the heart, but, uh, you know, he's an example of, I think of a, of a jammer and a guy that recognizes that you really have to have laser focus energy on one particular thing. So he left Wine Library TV to go run, uh, I guess, Vayner Media, 
which is his media company, I think, with his brother or whatnot. But, I mean, he could have maybe done both things, but I think he's smart enough to recognize, hey, man, I really want to build something successful over here uh, at VaynerMedia. I'm going to have to put all of my energy into that one thing. And uh, I guess maybe he was tired of doing one library. I'm not really sure, but the point is um, a guy that it seems like he recognizes the jamming uh, and how important it is to have laser focus. Yeah, it's almost like people are, are you know, approaching these uh, online uh, enterprises as if they were jobs. Like, yeah, I showed up today, like put in my eight hours. I, I had some meetings with some people and I did a couple, I moved a couple things forward and like, what are you talking about? This is a startup. Like I'm talking about you're sitting there, you're tapping your foot the whole time. You're looking for a way to break through that line and go and grab money from your clients to get that minimum amount of cash flow that you need to stay alive. And I just think there's an intensity that's required to get it done. So, and that's why it's jam. It's not be productive. <laughs> Let's talk about three examples of real life situations or two. I have two specific examples. Actually, we're going to reveal one of our niches for the first time, I think for, yeah, for the first time ever on this program. What um, do they say? Oy vey. Oy vey. <laughs> let's first Oy vey. let's first talk about a product that I'm working on today, Ian, that I'm very excited about. It's a private link network. And anybody of you guys that work at Google, I don't actually do this. I, this is all hypothetical, in theory kind of stuff. So I'm working on a private link network, which is basically people can pay me to put content onto my blog network, and then I will give them very powerful links back to their important websites. Obviously, this is Ooh. great for search engine optimization. When I was talking to Travis from SupremacySEO.com, knows a lot about this stuff, I saw that he was utilizing these link networks, which are very tricky. They're very expensive, they're very difficult to administer, um, you know, but they're hugely valuable. They're very difficult to sell, too, because you can't be too public about it and all that stuff. Here we are on the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I see this, and I see all the attention he's getting. I see everybody going to it, and like, you know, just people are just plowing onto Travis, and I'm like, whoa. That works. I mean, that's a way, that's a huge product. People love it. So what do I do? I rip the guy off. I say, well, I'm going to build a network too because I see that it's working. Okay, well, how can I pivot it? Well, uh, there's a bunch of distinguishing features that we've changed. It's a completely different sort of network. And I'm going to sell it into my private Dynamite Circle audience, which is this product has been requested of us. So that's ripping the model from Travis. Travis taught me a lot of how we did it. We changed a bunch of things, a bunch of features, a bunch of the benefits are different. We pivot it, bring it to our audience, and then we jam. I put David yeah. on this for four weeks straight. For four weeks, David did nothing. We took him off of everything. And we said- This goes, we, back, to, this goes back to Paulo too, when Paulo was talking about, you know, I don't really know anybody that's done anything. We, hadn't, we didn't know anybody that had ever done a link network before we started talking to Travis, and we didn't really have any experience with it either. Yes. So all those things kind of came together, and all of a sudden we became somebody that had no experience and no prior information to somebody that's starting this link ne network, and that's kind of the progression of how that works. Yeah, you know, so like, rather than laying under the stars at night and thinking, what's a way that I could improve SEO and like change the industry? Forget that. Like I saw Travis having a huge success. I went to him, I said, Travis, would it be okay if I made a link network too? And he said, yes, I would buy a membership from you because I need more links. And I would say, great, can you teach me some of the stuff? And he was like, sure. And that was it. <laughs> you know, that, that was it. 
And, uh, you know, you don't need to be some huge visionary. Now, maybe, Paulo, if I do link networks for the next five to six years, all of a sudden I'm in visionary spot. That's where it comes from. It's like, right. I know everything about everything now. And the move that I make, because I'm standing at the edge, because I'm at the edge of the industry, is going to be seen as innovative. But maybe for me, it was just the next step. And I think that that's an important way to look at this stuff. That's how it actually happens by being in the game, by getting the cash flow going. Ian, let's talk about a time that you did this recently. This is our newest, one of our newest companies. It's called PortableBarCompany.com. That's right. Let's talk about how you ripped, pivoted, and jammed on the Portable Bar Company. All right. So it kind of went like this. When, uh, when, well, basically, we've got relationships in China with different factories, um, a lot of metal factories. We do a lot of metal work over there. And so um, we basically saw an opportunity. We came, one of our customers actually came to us and said, hey, you guys should take a look at this. I understand your capabilities. Uh, it's something that you might be interested in. It's the, uh, it's the promotional and bar uh, world out there. So catering, uh, parties, things like that, they all have these bars uh, where they serve food and liquor and things like that. And so um, we basically looked around at the industry, saw what everybody was doing and said, hey, we can make a better bar uh, at, at a pretty close price to what everybody else is doing. Well, the first so, thing, you know, when we looked around at the industry, I remember thinking, this is great because this is a big industry and it's obvious that these guys are making a lot of money. Yeah. So and that, it was obvious important. that we had, in terms of manufacturing expertise, we, in a lot of cases, had more manufacturing expertise than these guys had right. um, because it looks like we've been doing it longer. And so while we don't have the expertise in the industry, we definitely have the manufacturing expertise. So that means that we can get our costs down lower. Uh, we can come up with a better design. Right. Um, and we can probably deliver better on the customer service side because we've got a lot of staff and resources already over there. Whereas so, I kind of understood how big their companies were going into this. So you're getting into the pivot stage right now. So you're basically, you're, you're looking at exactly what they're offering and you're saying on these five cardinal points, you know, price, quality, feature set, boom, you're like just, you're identifying yourself relative to these guys. And that's how a pivot works. You're not just Correct. pie in the sky in BS. You're like, you know, directly cutting into some of the value propositions that they're making to the marketplace. Exactly. And while we, while we, ha we don't have the customers at the time when we're building the product necessarily, I mean, sometimes you're lucky enough to have the customers and kind of help you build the product. Um, you know, that's something that's going to come with, uh, with time. Right. Uh, and so there's going to be even more pivots after we start to have more and more customers teaching us about uh, what kind of features they want. But that's kind of like second, third, fourth generation. Right. Anyways, the next step to that was to jam. And so uh, at the time, we had a design intern that was working for us for free. We ended up hiring him on. But he spent about six months designing this product and thinking about Ooh. future products. Yeah, yeah, it was really uh, design intensive. So... He spent about six months developing that product and, and kind of thinking about future products along the way and how this was all going to come together. So, Very cool. And we're still jamming on that today. We are still jamming on that today. So we're in business now. We're live. You can buy now. I don't think we got the new pictures and videos up on the website yet. Is that true? No, the site needs a lot of help. Yeah. And uh, we're working on that. This is one of our first Shopify sites. So a right. uh, bit of a learning curve there. But cool. yeah. All right, so that's the first niche. I think we can end the meat and potatoes there. Check out portablebarcompany.com. Let us know what you think. Let's get moving on to the quick tips, tricks, and or funny joke section.
Well, Ian, first thing, I got a little tip from the AdSense flippers guys. Uh, oh, yeah. they, they manage hundreds of WordPress sites, so they know their WordPress. And they plugged me into a little program called WP Manage. If you've got anything over 15 to 20 sites, I mean, even if you've got five WordPress sites, you might look into the software. It's not that expensive, and you can manage all of your WordPress sites from one simple interface. And what I really love about this is that you can manage all of your updates and permissions from one interface. It's just so simple. Plugins want, too, right? That's plugins. So if you want to give a writer, you know, one of the things I was talking about with our team, Ian, is rather than ordering article articles from people, we should order scheduled posts from people. Why not take it to the next level? Go into your WP Manage Ooh. software. You set up a writer permission and you say, I permit X person um, to be a writer for me. And you go and pay them and say, here's what I want. I want 100 posts formatted in my WordPress backend, and I want them scheduled for these dates. That's a great idea. You know why that's a great idea? Because you came up with it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one. But the other reason is because it's it's so resource and time intensive to manage somebody. Yeah. I mean, and if you can set up a time, I mean, you always end up with all these like middle managers kind of, you know, and it's like, well, somebody else writes the content, somebody else has to upload it, somebody else has to approve it. That's a great idea. Someone's got to like link it. out. And this is stuff, you know, by necessity that we're developing for our link network because we want to drive down the administration costs and focus more on the higher end kind of stuff. If anybody's curious by the top, um, these link networks, a 20 to 30 high page rank blog network, I would say runs you about 10 to 15 grand. If you're interested in learning more about that, feel free to email me, Dan at Lifestyle Business Podcast. That's what I'm going to be doing for the next couple of months. <laughs> I want to talk about WhatsApp again for the iPhone because, you know, it's it, we have these dalliances with apps, Ian, but this one's going to stick. I think WhatsApp's amazing. It's free global text messaging. Um, I've been using it regularly with all my buddies all throughout the world, sending pictures, sending videos, chit-chatting with each other. It's very, very cool. There's up to 10 people in a group chat. Everybody's sharing photos. It's a really kind of a cool experience that has not been achieved on any other platform yet. So I would recommend WhatsApp. Um, two other apps I'm using a ton, or three other apps, Ian, really quickly. Fiedler RSS very clean. It syncs with your Google Reader, which I really appreciate. Um, so you can read all your RSS feeds on the fly. Kindle app for iPhone. Yep. If anybody has a Kindle, make sure that you download that free Kindle app for your iPhone. You can read all your books on your phone when you get stuck uh, in traffic and you want to break the law. Uh, Speedtest.net app. I would say absolutely fundamental for any traveler. Get speedtest.net. <laughs> It's very cool. It's like the a, thing. I, the thing that's funny about speedtest.net, especially when you're traveling, is just how frustrated it makes you. So I like look <laughs> at my 20, 20 up, twenty down in San Diego, and then the only reason I use it in in Asia is to just to just be like, how bad does this suck? It's like your masochistic tendency. Right. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you one thing where it becomes really useful because obviously you get like a little addicted to testing your speed here in Asia, but it's really important when you're going to look for apartments or hotels. So you yeah. like actually like walk into the hotel. You flip on your iPhone and you check the speed before you commit to renting the place. Um, also, you can tell agents or landlords to download the app and send you screenshots if you want to test that way. Uh, you got a couple of quick apps you'd like to share as well, Ian? 
Uh, you know, I can't think of anything right now. I'm, what about uh, SEO for Chrome? I yeah, there's a little now. button. Um, there's a little. There's a little thing that you can install into your uh, toolbar. It's just called SEO for Chrome, um, and basically, it's just it's just a little widget at the top of the screen there. So if if you're on a website, it gives you uh, the pages indexed, gives you Alexa backlink, and it also gives you uh, Google PageRank. Word. So it's kind of cool. If you're on a site, you can just click on there. It's like real light. It doesn't take anything up, and uh, you can just see what's going on. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to head on a plane here uh, actually tomorrow. So uh, headed out business class on your dime. Woot, woot. Woo. No, just kidding. We got, uh, <laughs> we got miles for that. So. <laughs> I'll that is so soon. cool, man. I didn't know you were doing that. I've never flown first class or business class. Never. Me neither. Me neither. Oh, first that is time. so cool. All right, guys. Well, next week, Thursday at 8 a.m., Ian and myself will be digging deep into the convoluted world of international taxation to help help everybody and ourselves pay taxes well effectively. Next year, we're going to be digging deep with David McKeegan from Greenback Tax Services. Until then, we'll catch That's you right. guys soon. We're, we're risking our freedom to give you that information. Oh. You read that Washington Times post? You are so overblowing it. <laughs> Have fun on business class, buddy. See you soon. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.